Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is a random local news story. This is uh, one of my most favorite headlines that I've ever read on the internet. The headline is, Woman pulls knife on security guard, hits him in the head with a fanny pack that has a pigeon inside. <laughs> Wait, what was the knife for? <laughs> All of that happened in one story. Okay, well, so, <clears throat> a woman who yelled at Social Security Administration workers hit a security guard in the head with her fanny pack that had a small pigeon inside of it and then pulled a knife on him has been arrested and charged in Northern Virginia. <laughs> Fairfax County police said the incident unfolded around 10.24 a.m. <laughs> this past Tuesday at the Social Security Administration office. Police were called when the woman assaulted a security guard in the facility and yelled at employees there. When the guard tried to approach her, she hit him in the head with her fanny pack, police said. Once the security guard escorted her outside, she pulled a knife and threatened him, they said. He closed the door to the facility and police arrived. Um... The person was arrested without incident. Officers checked her fanny pack and found a pigeon inside of it. The pigeon was taken to a local animal shelter and was not harmed, officials said. No one was hurt during the incident. <laughs> so... <laughs> You couldn't see, but I was silently <laughs> laughing the entire time she was telling that story. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, at the end of all of that, my main question and what I think we should discuss is why do you think the woman had a pigeon in the fanny pack? That's a, that's a really good question. I'm, I mean, first of all, I'm really glad the pigeon's okay. Yeah, the that was my is, first concern. It's like, was okay. it like a dead pigeon? No. Luckily, it was a it was a, it was a live, a live pigeon. pigeon. I mean, it, luckily I mean, is well, an interesting I choice. Mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not luckily for the pigeon. No, but luckily for the conclusion of the story, I guess. Yes, the pigeon is fine now. Yeah. So my theory was maybe she's a magician in training, and was using this pigeon for a reason and I mean, had to carry it around in a fanny pack. That's the I, closest uh, don't know. that's the closest I can get in my head to a practical reason she would have a pigeon <laughs> in a fanny pack. <laughs> my uh, my only other guess is that it's her pet and that's just how she travels with it. Oh. But I I mean that's not how you should that's not how you should carry a pigeon. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Like, oh, it's my pet bird, and I and I keep it, keep in, a, it in this I keep it in a small bed. enclosed space around my waist, with its head poking out. Maybe. If that was your pet, why would you use it as take a take that off and use it as a weapon? <laughs> yes. You've never. Yeah, I guess I've I've never picked my cat up and swung it at somebody. <laughs> no, <laughs> I would hope not. So that was, uh, probably falls into like 
my top five most bizarre headlines and stories I've ever I'm, encountered. So I'm glad that I was able to share that with everyone this week. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it was like a workout. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> All right. Um, my first story is entertainment news. This is from the Associated Press. Uh, Scrabble Dictionary adds okay and ew to official play. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, those weren't there before? Apparently not. Huh. So over 300 new words have been added to Merriam-Webster's official Scrabble Players Dictionary in the newly released 6th edition, which now features over 100,000 words total, including the words okay and ew. Um, There's... This is my favorite guy in the article. He's a, lexi- he's a lexicographer named Peter Sokolowski, who's apparently just really into Scrabble, I guess. <laughs> okay. He says, okay is something Scrabble players have been waiting for for a long time. Basically, two- and three-letter words are the lifeblood of the game. <laughs> That's pretty in-depth analysis of Scrabble. I didn't know that was like a don't, thing. Don't worry, he comes back. Oh, okay, um, good. Another new word is, um, oh, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. The internet told me it was pronounced uh, kapik. It's Q-A-P-I-K. Hmm. Which, it's a type of monetary unit from Azerbaijan. Wow. <laughs> but it's been added to the arsenal of 20 playable words that begin with Q but don't need a U. Ooh. So it's, ooh, it's a real, real valuable That's one. really special, yeah. Uh, and uh, Peter comes back and says, every time there's a word... With Q and no U, it's a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Most of these are obscure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Peter. (laughs) Um, Some additional valuable new words that have been added are Arancini and um, Bizjet, as in business jet. I guess that's a word. Apparently it is now. Huh. Bizjet. Um, The plural of Bizjet, Bizjets, can be worth um, 120 points if you play it as your opening move. Because there's like a double word score you can and do, had- and I think you get like 50 bonus points for using all seven of your tiles, um, like in one go. Wait, it's a double. Oh, because it, because of the length of it, it hits one of the. It tiles. hits one of the double word scores. Gotcha. Yeah. And there's a Z in it and a J. Those are probably high. Oh point. yeah, those are big, big. I think there's. I think a Z is like 10 points. Isn't I think it? so. And J might also be. Z and X, and there's like three letters that are 10 points. Yeah. I think. I haven't played Scrabble actually in a long time, but I I'm, believe try- you. I'm trying to like remember <laughs> from back when I used to play Scrabble. And uh, just the last thing I have is just a list of some other words that made it in, which okay. I really enjoy. Um, macaron, Ooh. yowza. <laughs> That's uh, a real word? No, wow. Now it is. Okay. Uh, zen, which is kind of surprising it oh, wasn't in before. Yeah. Uh, sriracha. Nice. Beat down. Twerk. Nice. Sheeple. <laughs> okay, that's my favorite. That's pretty great. Emoji. All right. Uh, face palm. <laughs> hive mind. Puggle. And I don't know what this one means, but nubber. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that one, so nope, I don't know. But I really liked it, so. I love that sheeple is a word. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. That's so fun. Yeah. When was the last time you played Scrabble? Not recently. Me neither. The last time I saw somebody playing Scrabble was in The Handmaid's Tale. (laughs) But that wasn't in like a fun context, so. (laughs) Probably not. 
I haven't seen that show yet, but I'm assuming <laughs> it was not fun. Nothing um, is in that show. <laughs> okay, my next story is animal slash technology news. The headline is, Ontario researchers use 3D printing technology to replace majority of dogs' cancer-ridden skull. Oh. That's very interesting. So, researchers at an Ontario university have used 3D printing technology to replace the majority of a dog's skull, a novel procedure they say marks a major advancement in veterinary medicine. Patches, the nine-year-old Dachshund at the center of the procedure, I know, it's so cute, had a brain tumor the size of an orange that oh. grew through her skull and would have been fatal if not treated, her owner said. Michelle Oblock, a veterinary surgical oncologist with the University of Guelph's Ontario Veterinary College, said she believes the procedure is the first of its kind in North America and has a substantive leap, or is a substantive leap from one, um, one other known case um, of this type of condition. The Guelph researcher has been studying using 3D printing technology for dogs specifically. Huh. Um, yeah, it's like I hadn't heard of that before, so it's pretty <laughs> Not cool. something you usually specialize in, probably. Right. <laughs> um, so previously, Dr. Oblock said, for a dog such as Patches, a tumor and part of the skull would be removed in surgery, and then while the animal was still under, a surgeon would fit a titanium mesh there. Um, but that's an imprecise, costly, and lengthy procedure. Hmm. So this new procedure involves 3D printing a titanium skull cap for the dog instead. So first they took a CT scan of the dog's head, then, using several different software programs, um, Dr. Oblock and her team digitally cut out the tumor and disease-ridden parts of the dog's skull, and then they mapped out where a 3D-printed replacement would fit into the skull and what it would look like, complete with location of holes for screws to hold it in place. So they, like, 3D-modeled all that. Um, then the digital plans were sent to ADEISS, which is a medical-grade 3D-printing company in Ontario, and they made a customized titanium skull cap. Then they performed a four-hour surgery on Patches to install the titanium skull cap. And Patches wow. is now cancer-free. That's amazing. And it went really well. Yay. And <laughs> I thought that was really cool. That is really cool. <laughs> and then my next thought was like, whoa, I've never heard of them doing something like that in like a human, but like that would probably require a lot more research and like regulation. And also I've never heard of like a tumor growing out of a person's head, but I'm sure that's a thing. Yeah, probably. But I didn't realize you could 3D print titanium. Uh, yeah, I d- didn't either, actually. Now that you mentioned that, I <laughs> just realized that. Just how the, do you do that? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> 3D printing like a really strong metal. That sounds difficult. <laughs> I should have looked up how they did that. Uh, no, seriously, because how did it? How does that? It, I mean, obviously, it's possible. It said they 3D printed, right? <laughs> unless actually, what they meant was they just machined it. But they're all calling it 3D printing for some reason. That would be hmm. weird. No, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you can. I, well, I don't know a new, lot about 3D printing, so I don't know a ton about it. But I know there's new some new methods where you actually like. How do I explain this? There's like a mold that like goes up through the material and it like hardens as it like lifts. So it like lifts out of something instead of like uh. extruding plastic on your surface that make them so maybe it's something like that that. yeah but i don't know i actually didn't i didn't do the research on it so i don't know right (laughs) so i don't imagine you could i don't imagine you could like just print out like molten titanium (laughs) 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 probably not although uh (laughs) it sounds cool this company it says this company um they're a medical grade 3d printing company so what does that mean 
Maybe they that have they, some that fancy. They have, they can, they have some magic. I something don't know. that can extrude print <laughs> titanium. <laughs> I don't know. I should have looked that up, but yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. That's that's really neat. I think we've we've talked about three D printing stuff before, mm-hmm. like corneas, mm-hmm. and uh, did we talk about the like they had like an ear or something they were growing? No, that yes. wasn't that was that but, wasn't three D printing though. I think that was just did, like yeah, tissue growth. That was just tissue. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. But I think but it was. We've, we've had a couple of three. We've definitely stories. talked about it before. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's just such a cool idea, just uh-huh. being able to print out new body parts. I know. <laughs> I mean, who, who would have thought? Um, no, I think I had an article about like bio tissue printing. I think. Yes. I don't think no, it, was it was the a ear skin one. gun. Yes, the skin gun. That's what it was. It was like a. Was, gun yeah. that printed. It's like a hot skin glue gun, but for skin. Your, that would like an instant skin graft. Oh, so cool. That was one of like our first episodes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I guess if you can print skin, you can print titanium. I don't know. Sure. We <laughs> or maybe extrapolate to that. Or maybe they printed a mold or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I'll have to look into it more, but yeah. and I'm sorry I didn't do that for this, but oh, it's fine. It was cool. So it's very cool. My next story is also animal news. But with less technology. Unless you count animal technology. <laughs> also, I should warn you, it involves spiders. Oh, no. <laughs> so this is from the Huffington Post. Uh, spiders cover shores of Greek town with 1,000-foot web. Oh. You should see the pictures from this one. It's, it's kind of like they're decorating oh. for Halloween over there. Uh, so giant spider webs oh. recently started blanketing the shores of Aitoliko in western Greece. The giant webs are spun by a very small spider of the tetra uh, natha genus that's just 0.7 inches long. So it's a very tiny spider, but it's making these giant webs. Okay. Um, <laughs> don't worry, they're in Greece. Uh, recent- I guess that's far enough away. All right. <laughs> Recently, the weather over there has been very hot and humid, which means there's more gnats and mosquitoes, which are the favored food of the spiders. So hmm. that means there's going to be more of them. Um Maria Tratzaki, a biology professor at Greece's uh, Democritus University of Thrace, says it's as if the spiders are taking advantage of these conditions and are kind of having a party. (laughs) 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 They mate, they reproduce, and they provide a whole new generation. So they're just like having a big spider party. Uh, Hmm. The result is that the local landscape looks as as if it's covered with a whitish gray net. And there are like photos of it and it's looks like it, was, it looks like those halloween decorations where people like put the fake webs over except it's real and that's over everything on the shore of this of this Ugh. town uh and apparently wow. this happens about every three to five years near this town so really it's not the first time that has happened but huh. it sounds like one of the one of the more prolific ones that they uh can remember in recent history so spider town that terrifies me yes um, <laughs> I thought it might <laughs> like if I lived in that town, I wouldn't stay in that town. I don't think <laughs> like, I think I need to take a vacation during spider <laughs> yeah, spider during party spider, time. Uh, taking over the town season. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, what, like people just can't go to those areas now or like what, where, like, is it, in it's all areas along that... like the shore okay. of, of it. So you can't really go to the beach unless you want to be covered in spiders. Which I take it from your reaction, you don't. This is my stuff of nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Sp- millions of tiny spiders. Hey, they're, ha- they're hey, having I a accidentally spider. Stepped in the web. Spiders all over my leg. <laughs> <laughs> they're having That's a spider beach party. 
Yeah, they glow that way. It's kind of fun. It's kind of fun, yeah. Just imagine them in like little sunglasses and they've got like, yeah, like little plastic shovels. Their sunglasses would have like eight um, lenses. That's a valid point. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't thought about the design. Spider sunglasses. (laughs) I'm imagining in my head that's that's pretty cute. It's pretty. It's kind of adorable when you think about it that way. If you think of like a little, like a little one of those cute little wolf spiders with like eight lens. And they have like sunglasses, eight legged swim trunks on. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. My third story is another random local news story. <laughs> I was really in the mood for random local news stories this week. So hey, there's some of the best. Um, this is from NBC News. The headline is. Texas great-grandmother shoots 12-foot gator as revenge for killing a mini horse. Judy Cochran, the mayor of Livingston, Texas, got her revenge on a 12-foot, 580-pound alligator she believes ate one of her miniature horses years ago when she killed it on Sunday, the Houston Chronicle reported. (laughs) Oh, so she's just assuming... Yeah, she just like saw this and was like, that must have been the gator that killed my horse. Yeah, it was like 15 years. No, I don't know how many years it was, but yeah, she, well, you'll see in the. In okay, the, yeah, yeah. The, so the quote is The gator was large enough, it could have eaten the mini horse, and the other gators are much smaller, Cochran told NBC News. The horse just came up missing, and it was in the same pasture where the gator had been. To say for sure it's the same gator, I can't say for sure, but I highly suspect. <laughs> So was that her wording? That was her wording. That was the exact wording. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, yeah, so I don't know. Cochran, who became a great-grandmother last Friday, said she met all the requirements for hunting the alligator and that the reptile is in season. This is another quote. We'll eat the meat, and if we don't eat all of it, we'll donate it. None of it will go to waste. We have the hide, we'll have the hide tanned and have boots made out of it, Cochran said. <laughs> Like, well, well, okay. I guess at least I you're guess using, at least you're it? using it. I guess. Um, I guess I have to see if it's full of mini horse bones. This gets this gets better. Okay. Okay. Oh. Although this gator was her first, it's not the first massive gator killed by her family. <laughs> Cochran said that her grandson Simon killed an even bigger gator in the same pond in 2009 when he was just five years old. <laughs> what? And then the article ends, and I'm like, I want to know about, like, I want to know more about the five-year-old that killed a giant alligator. I can only assume assume he wrestled it with his bare hands as a five-year-old and just took it down. Yes, I don't know. Even bigger than an eight-and-a-half-foot? That's what it says. That's... If this is right, some five-year-old kid killed a giant gator in 2009, and there's no details. I want to know the details about that part of the story. (laughs) Where's that news article? Um... Yeah, anyway, I just, this was a little bit like, what? She's the mayor of the town. Uh-huh. She's a great-grandmother. Mm-hmm. And this whole scenario almost, like, reminded me of, like, that whole thing with, like, Captain Hook and there's, like, the crocodile that, like, <laughs> like the arch nemesis. Like, she's just been, like, there, a gator ate my horse and, like, finds one. I'm going like, to wait till I find one big enough yeah, and then I'm, I'm going to kill it. it. Like, and that's going to be the one. It's just kind of funny to me but anyway my mini horse was holding a clock so when when i when (laughs) When i hear hear the the ticking ticking. (laughs) (laughs) all right the last story is space news sorry 
<laughs> Japan successfully lands two small rovers on asteroid Ryugu. Who? Uh, I don't know why I kept this as one of my notes. Japan has successfully landed two small robotic rovers on the asteroid Ryugu. That's the same <laughs> thing. That's literally what I just That's said. That's the headline. Uh, the tiny uh, asteroid is currently located about 186 million miles away from Earth. So it's kind of far. Ooh. Uh the duo of rovers was released from Japan's Hayabusa 2 spacecraft orbiting the asteroid from about 100 feet up on Friday, September 21st, and a confirmation of the successful landing came one day later. I mean, I assume it didn't take a day what? for it to drop 180 feet, but that's, I guess, when they received the signal back. The two tiny rovers designated Rover 1A and Rover 1B, which they're not the greatest names, um... But they're part of the second micro-nano experimental robot vehicle for asteroid project, which abbreviates to Minerva. <laughs> if you're wondering why <laughs> they went with that name. <laughs> so this is Minerva 2 because there was apparently a previous uh, project like this. But this mm-hmm. is the first time where rovers that are capable of maneuvering around the surface of an asteroid, especially one as small as Rigu, have been successfully placed on an asteroid. Okay. So it's kind of a landmark thing. Due to the asteroid's weak gravitational pull, the rovers were dropped slowly to the surface as there was a chance that they could float off into space if they landed too hard because they would just hit it and bounce right back <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, the two uh, cylinder-shaped rovers are 7.1 inches in diameter, uh, 2.75 inches in height, and weigh around 2.42 pounds each. So they're pretty tiny. Oh, they yeah. kind of sounded to me like they might look like little Roombas almost. Since they're cylindrical and, like, wow. wider than they are tall. Okay, that's definitely uh, not what I was picturing. Okay. <laughs> I think, I don't know, but 1A is equipped with four cameras and 1B has three. So Roombas with cameras. <laughs> they're probably more advanced than that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, they're just Roombas with cameras. <laughs> <laughs> just a Roomba with a camera taped to the back of it. <laughs> they, they just have, they put, the, like, the Japanese flag over the Roomba, like... <laughs> Name. Perfect. Uh, the Hayabusa 2 spacecraft itself weighs uh, 0.6 metric tons, so it's a little heavier. It was launched on December 3rd, 2014, on its mission to explore this asteroid specifically to retrieve materials from it and bring them to Earth. It arrived there on June 27th of this year and is scheduled to depart from the asteroid in December of next year and then return back to Earth in 2020. So still a few more years of stuff to do, but this is yeah. this was one of the hardest parts is landing these rovers onto this really tiny asteroid, yeah. Uh, which it has a diameter of around 0.6 miles, so about one kilometer. So it's really not that large. Yeah. Um, that is study of small. study of this asteroid could be important for planetary researchers as it may contain organic matter and water. This is one of the reasons mm. they sent the the ast- uh, the rovers there specifically cool. because they detected it might. So that's awesome. Space news. Nice. I love space news. Me too. Okay. I think it's time. Is it? It's time for breaking news. The part of the show where Anthony and I look, look up news stories that were just posted today and we read them to you on the fly. Ready, set, go. Go. Okay. The story I found is from CNN Entertainment, and the headline is Carrie Underwood. <laughs> <laughs> the headline. 
Carrie Underworld. Carrie Underworld. Terry Underworld. <laughs> Uh, the headline is Carrie Underwood makes chart history. Apparently, Carrie Underwood just became the first female country artist to have four number one albums at the top of the all genre charts, according to Billboard. Hmm. Um, and this is her her most recent album, Cry Pretty, topped the Billboard 200 chart for the week ending in September 20th, selling 266,000 equivalent album units. Cry Pretty also had the biggest overall week for a country album by a woman since the charts began ranking albums by equivalent album units, which happened in late 2014. Wow. Um, In addition to her latest album, the singer also topped the charts with Carnival Ride in 2007, Play On in 2009, and Blown Away in 2012. Underwood also surpassed the previous record of biggest sales week by a female artist so far in 2018. And that title had been held by rapper Cardi B's album, Invasion of Privacy, which debuted at number one in April with 255,000 units. I was going to say, that wasn't that long ago. No. (laughs) Um, Sorry, Cardi B. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that was interesting. Yeah. I'm not a big country music person, so. I'm not really either, but I do (laughs) like Carrie Underwood. Yeah. No. She's cool. She's one of the good ones. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just, I, I respect country music, but I just, it's not my... I don't even respect my, it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not my preference. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right, the story that I found um, is from Entertainment Weekly. Uh, Game of Thrones epic sets to open as tourist attractions. <gasps> Right? Right? I want to go. Right? I know. I want to go. So several major Game of Thrones sets in Northern Ireland are going to be converted into tourist attractions. So, like, if you didn't need a reason to go to Ireland oh, already, let's like... Let's go. I, I want to go right now. I mean, it's not open yet, so not right now. When it's um, open. Right. So this is the first time that fans will be able to visit places like Winterfell, Castle Black, and King's Landing oh. uh, per, before they've been strictly off limits. And uh, HBO says... Uh, the Game of Thrones legacy, as they're calling it, attractions will be on a scale and scope bigger than anything the public has ever seen. Each site will feature not only the breathtaking, breathtaking sets, but will also exhibit displays of costumes, props, weapons, set decorations, art files, models, and other production materials. That's amazing. So it's like a full-on studio tour in, like, within the sets of the show. We have to go to that. I know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm like not joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds amazing. Um, one thing that's unique about many of the uh, Game of Thrones sets is that they're not just facades like a lot of movies and TV shows. They've actually built, like, Winterfell Castle is a sprawling area with inter- interconnected rooms and courtyards and platforms along ramparts that you can walk around and, like, feel fully immersed. Which also meant that directors didn't have to use, like, green screens or anything because they mm-hmm. could just point the camera they in any direction. They just built the whole yeah. building or, or um, castle. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah, typically these sets would be torn down and scrapped after they're used, but Game of Thrones has been an enormous boon for Northern Ireland's tourism, and given the popularity of the show, they've decided to convert them into a like a public tourism. Oh thing. yeah, I mean that's what they did with some of the Lord of the Rings sets too, for yeah. New Zealand, right? Right. So, yeah, like like I said, Winterfell, Castle Black, and King's Landing are among the places they're considering, along with a studio tour of Linen Mill Studios, which would include other subject matter from mm-hmm. the shows. And yeah. Wow. 
that's pretty cool. That's Plus, there's, awesome. there's a lot of like the natural landscapes of Ireland as oh, well yeah. that are included in the series, but you can visit those already. Right. And there's not a bunch of cool stuff there. <laughs> it's just a pretty picture. It's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, I did not know that King's Landing was in Ireland. Yeah, it's one of the ones they listed. That's so interesting. I, I, I guess so. Or it's somewhere else, and they just, they just also listed it. No, I mean, it's probably there. I mean, I think they yeah. have different... I don't know why I thought because like they filmed the show in different look, yeah it doesn't like, look countries, like right? it's I think so. I don't think they're all in the same place. I thought didn't I read somewhere that part of it was in Greenland or Iceland or no maybe maybe I don't know I okay, believe I don't know what I'm talking I about. I believe you I I just don't uh, <laughs> I don't know for sure but this part's in Ireland and uh, I want to go to it I, I want to go to it really also bad want to go to it. So does it say when it'll be open or anything like it that? It does not say. Uh, the only Darn. date they mention is that the show comes back next year for its final season, but we knew that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like 100% serious about going to Oh, uh, yeah, we're going to do it. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's going to happen. That's decided. Yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> Glad we're on the same page. Then. Yes. Okay. That's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be posted in the episode description. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher, as well as any of those other uh, apps. And hey, while you're there, maybe give us a review, rate us, question. Uh, and if you want to see more <laughs> from us, you can follow us on Facebook on at facebook.com slash knickknacknews and on Twitter at at knickknacknews. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Fanny pack. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. <laughs> you are <were> right. <laughs>